Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 408 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, uh, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Todd, I'm doing good. I'm ready to uh, talk about comic books. Ready to talk about stuff that happened at San Diego. I'm ready to uh, be done with the rain that we're getting here in northeastern Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. We're getting a lot of rain. That's right. Grass is going to be knee-high to a something tall. Right. Somehow, though, with all the rain that we got, I've still got a big, giant dead spot on the front lawn of my uh, my yard. Is that where you were sweating? No, I wish. You were you paused cutting the grass and sweat extra there? And just the oil poured off of me. He assaulted the earth. Like the, like the repugnant monster I am. Uh, I don't know if you're repugnant. Mm-hmm. But definitely a monster. Definitely a monster. Uh, delightful monster. So, Todd, what do we have to talk about on the show this week? Uh, streaming service information. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Marvel brings back an imprint. They're trying to keep up with DC and all their imprints. Uh, a title that is near and dear to our heart goes on an extra hiatus, which uh. is killing us. Um, also, uh, a director is pulled from a film, and, this, and the statue of limitations on tweets, I guess, we're going to discuss. Um, we're also going to have free digital books and sales. Oh, and also, I'm sorry, uh, blank comics. Not just the covers, but all the way through. Interesting. Um, free digital books and sales. What we read last week, which was Immortal Hulk number three and Batman number 51, the fallout from the wedding. What we're looking forward to this week, Todd's art attack. And also, uh, the, it's not the last episode of Cloak and Dagger, but the second to last episode of Cloak and Dagger? Yes. Okay, I get confused because we were jumping all over the place with what ish, episode we were actually on. Right, we were. I was confused last week because I thought it was eight episodes, and yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's okay. I'm easily confused during the intros anyway. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> and also, important news about next week's episode of the show. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. But that's the way my mind works. It's not like a steel trap like yours. Right. Mine's like an Etch-A-Sketch. I shake my head and then it just goes blank. Mm, I wish I had the computing power of an Etch-A-Sketch oh. show. <laughs> so let's get into the news, Todd. Of course, uh, some of this stuff is fallout from San Diego, of course. Uh, DC announced uh, their streaming service, which is going to be seven ninety nine a month. Or uh, 75 bucks if you do the full year, of course. You can go over to DCUniverse.com and get that. Uh, they were offering all sorts of special deals if you did it while you were at the con floor in San Diego. Uh, not a lot of hard facts with this. It just says it's going to start in the fall. Uh, they did say that uh, existing content such as Batman Beyond, Justice League Animated Series... Uh, Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon, the new season of Young Justice, are going to be all on this, uh, as well as the Titans live-action show, which we got a trailer for, uh, in addition to several other trailers over San Diego uh, weekend. That's right. We now know how 
Robin feels about Batman. Oh, boy. So, uh, when this trailer went live, I think it was, what, Friday morning? Mm Mm-hmm. My phone, my email, my text, everything I have possible to get in touch with me blew up. (laughs) Have you seen the Titans trailer? Joe, have you seen the Titans trailer? Oh, my goodness, have you seen the Titans trailer? And I'm like, I'm at work. It's kind of tough to stream video here. Why? What's up? They're like, you got to watch. You got to see it. Then you email me. And I'm like, all right, let's see what's going on. So I actually leave. I go outside so I can get a better connection because it's tough to get a connection inside the the building where my super secret science job is. Mm-hmm. And I put my headphones in because I don't like people listening to what I'm listening to because you never know. And, uh, you know, we've seen shots of this being filmed. We've seen what some of the, the costumes are going to look like. But in a lot of the shots that we saw, saw that we saw, Todd, it was like in the daytime. It looked like there was natural light in all of these shots that we saw from the set. Mm-hmm. There appears to be no sun at all in wherever this Titan show is taking place. It takes place at night, Joe. All entirely, even indoor. There's no light inside buildings, even. No, no. Okay. Doctor Light has reversed all light. I think. Right, and then of course there's the one scene that everyone's talking about. The scene that uh, set the internet ablaze. Where, uh, Robin is confronting a bunch of people in a street, and, uh, one of the people say, is that Batman? And Robin says, fun Batman. But he doesn't say fun. Mm -hmm. He says another word. (laughs) The F-dash-dash-dash word. Right. And Todd, I understand that you need to have something for everyone. You need to have... A Teen Titans, like the Teen Titans Go movie that opens up this weekend for little kids and people who like to laugh and smile. Then you need to have, like, another Teen Titans, which is the Young Justice cartoon for, you know, mid-teenagers and, you know, other folks. And, see, I enjoyed Young Justice, and, and I enjoyed Teen Ti- I enjoy Teen Titans Go quite a bit. I can't see myself enjoying what has been presented to me by this, teen, this Titans uh, live-action trailer. Fair enough. What about you, Todd? I have an opinion on this, but uh, I'm like, I don't mind that it's R. I don't even mind that it's hard R. But the problem I have is, and I was used, I was discussing this with somebody. I said it feels like Snyder's uh, Man of Steel and Snyder's Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice just seem to like throw up all the bad ideas onto Titans. It's Titans is a group where you have like diverse characters and personalities, but it seems like we have Robin who fun Batman and he's stabbing people in the neck and there's blood everywhere and he's stepping on necks. Then you have Starfire who looks like she incinerates someone. Then you have Hawk and Dove. Now I'm not sure who cuts the, the tendon on the leg. I'll give that one to Hawk who's like, you know, the, the the violent one. Dove is the pacifist one. But then we see a shot of Dove just tearing somebody's face off. And I'm like, okay, so right now you've just stated that all the Titans are ultra-violent. So if they're all the same, what do I care? 
You know, like if you had one, Hawk is is ultra violent, and Robin's m- mad about something, and we're gonna we're gonna find out what that is. But it just seems like it's like no, we just have to have these ultra violent, edgy characters, and the only one that looks any fun is Beast Boy slash Changeling, whatever they're gonna call him, and he looks amazing to me of all the like looks of this stuff. But I'm like I. I, I like adult, you know, themes in comics if you're going to do them right. I just don't I just don't feel that this is going to do them right or interesting. It's just let's make it hyper violent and that's going to be our hook. That's all it's going to be. Right. And know. again, I don't know if this is the show to put out front to get people to sign up for your streaming service. Mhm. Because it ain't for me. It ain't filling me with hope or pride to be able to watch things. Now, just as a side note, again, it was San Diego. Did you watch any of the other trailers that got released during San Diego? I watched all of them. I watched, let's go ahead. No, no. So I mostly want to talk about the two DC films. Okay. Uh, Shazam and Aquaman. Fair enough. Uh, you know, Godzilla looked good, uh, Seven from Stranger Things was in it, so I'm like, alright, and then all the monsters are in it, even though some of them are shot in darkness, and I know you want to have the big reveal in the films themselves. Right. Um, I don't think there was any Marvel stuff, they didn't show a Captain, I, I would have heard if there was a Captain Marvel trailer, I don't think we're mm-hmm. gonna be giving that one away anytime soon. Right, which was interesting because they even said that Marvel Cinematic, because the Avengers had already come out, and... Captain Marvel was so far away that this is the first year that they weren't at San Diego at all. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a panel. They didn't have, like, actors show up. They didn't have anything for San Diego. Right. Which is weird. So I, I had no real thoughts about Shazam, and I was looking forward to Aquaman, actually. But mm-hmm. after seeing the trailers for both, I don't know how I feel. Okay. I'm going to take Captain Marvel slash Shazam first. Okay. I really enjoyed that trailer, mm-hmm. but I can't get behind Zachary Levi as Captain Marvel. Um, not because of the way he acts. I'm fine with a child in a man's body kind of a thing, and he's going to be like innocent and goofy or whatever. But I, I have a visual for Shazam, Captain Marvel, where it's like this square jawed. It's almost like the guy who played the original Tick in the in the TV show. He was. Patrick Warburton is yes. his name? Like, he has the look, or even like a John Hamm, he has the look, but Zachary Levi doesn't have, like, the, the Captain Marvel look to me. And the other thing is, because he's not jacked, and I know what Zachary Levi is, he looks like he's got a suit with balloons for muscles. Like, And I'm like, that's not, it looks so fake, and I get, that's kind of the, the gag that they're going for. But I'm like, I like all of this. I like the feel of it. I like the, the lightness of it. If you just had somebody else as Captain Marvel, I, I think I would like this a lot more. Right. And that's really my thought on it is it's it's it f- looks like it's going to be a fun and light and t- in tone movie. Mm-hmm. But the actual everything else of it just looks so poor. It looks like a fan made trailer. That's what somebody, my brother actually asked me that. He's like, yeah. is that Sam thing a fan-made thing? It doesn't look like, real. No. Mm-hmm. Um, which really leads me to believe that they tried to rush something out. And right. I'm hoping that maybe the effects aren't done because I, that one doesn't come out until next year sometime, right? 
I'm not 100% sure on the the dates of the movies. Right. Now, I know, Aquaman, uh, I know, comes is, out Christmas time. Ish, yes. Like that week. So I was looking forward to Aquaman. I, I was hoping to get a little bit more of how he was in Justice League. He was one of the few things that I enjoyed in Justice League. Seemed closest to someone who was kind of loving being a superhero, not being miserable and unhappy about being a superhero. But then I see the trailer... And the trailer looks like the worst parts of Avatar mixed with the worst parts of The Phantom Menace. Okay. Like, just the look and the feel of the way Atlantis looks and the way that the people of Atlantis look and act and interact with each other. I'm just like, ugh. This is, this is not, it's not giving me good feelings. I don't know. You know, I wanted to like it and I'll probably end up going to see Aquaman. You know, there's... You know, I'm I'm that stupid person. It's like, well, I'm going to go see it. It's a superhero movie, you know? <laughs> yeah, we're pretty much between the podcast and actually wanting to see them. Right. I'll go see a bunch of comic book movies. When I saw the trailer, the thing that actually jumped out at me was nothing. Like, I, I my life had not changed one iota. It didn't get any better or it didn't get any worse after I saw Aquaman. It just basically all I could say was, I saw the Aquaman trailer. I, I don't know, like, what it was. There was nothing that blew me away, but there was nothing that I disliked a lot about. So, you know how we always talk about with comics or stuff that we like a lot, the worst thing you can be is middle of the road? Mm -hmm. And that's what I got from the Aquaman trailer. Ugh. Was middle of the road. The other thing that made me laugh is, have you seen the video that's circulating of the Black Panther trailer versus the like scenes from uh, like they're showing how identical like copy and a get an a kind of a thing of black panther that they're doing no yes like in the film when he when he goes into the water and he comes he's in the the submarine and he goes through the uh the thing and you you see atlantis and they cut to the shot of black panther going through the the shield and seeing it the wonder of atlantis and how uh black panther is uh challenged by killmonger and in this aquaman is challenged by the ocean master and they have a fight the shot like then they show the vibrinos attacking the evil people and then they show the atlanteans attacking with the underwater like dragons and stuff and i'm like oh my god this is exactly like they almost copy whole scenes from black Panther. i'll have to send that to you it's it's amazing yeah please send it, that to me if i can if i can find it i will i mean i know where it's at but it'll take me a little bit to get but it's it's pretty funny it's pretty funny how the the shots mirror each other right but it's when the marvel trailers would come out i would be excited mm -hmm. i would see something like one or two things that i'm like oh man i can't wait to see that on the big screen oh i can't believe they're doing this i can't wait for this there was nothing in Shazam or Aquaman that I saw. I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait for that. Right. Whether they were just bad trailers, but even as you said, if they just kind of tried to rip off the tone of the Black Panther trailer, that's, oh, that's lame, man. That's 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 weak sauce, man. Right, right. Um, And my brother's a huge Aquaman fan. So he's like, he's all pumped for it. And I'm like, uh, sorry, Larry, I can't. I'm like, I can't get excited for this. And he's sad, so. I don't know. I am. I know you said we talked about the Shazam. We talked about the Aquaman. But for me, actually, out of the three of them, mm -hmm. the one that you went, uh, 
I was jacked for the Godzilla trailer. No, no, it's not that I went, eh. I thought it looked cool, but I've seen cool Godzilla trailers before. Right. I don't have the same affinity towards Godzilla that you or Dave, who runs our comic book shop, do. I like Godzilla. He's a good guy. (laughs) You know, he does good things. He's a monster. He smashes other monsters. Maybe he teams up with those monsters to take on robotic versions of those monsters. That's the that's the parts of the Godzilla I like to see. Right. I don't like so much when they focus on the people. Uh, I agree, but see, like obviously, I know they're not going to give. They're not, as you say, don't give it away for free. Yeah. So they show King Ghidorah like in trap, but you can see the three heads. So you know you're getting Ghidorah. Yeah. And you know you're getting. All right, they give Rodan away a little bit. And Mothra, who, if you want to have some fun, wander around the comic shop saying how great Mothra is. Right. And that's the same as saying, you know, the certain person from Mystery Science 3000 is really good uh, for the owner. The owner just hates Mothra. But um, I'm looking forward to it because I was disappointed in the last Godzilla movie because there wasn't a lot of monster fights. But now I'm like, we have four monsters. There better be a whole. At least they give us four in the trailer. And there's rumors of others. So, oh. so we need we need lots of monster fighting. But just the look of the trailer, I was like, oh, all right, give me that. Especially after the Toho, the last Toho Godzilla uh, Godzilla movie was so bad, so bad. Yeah, yeah. It was. Is that that uh, Shin Godzilla or whatever? Yes. Basically. Now, see, I heard other people say it was good. Okay, if you like. Seeing Japanese uh, groups like government, like uh, groups go like this. All right, well, we don't know what to do. Let's pass it up to the next person. If you like to see that for two hours, that's the movie for you. Hmm. It's it's basically a takeoff of what happened with the Fukinawa. The tsunami and the the nuclear thing. Right, where it happened. And basically they were like, all right, well, we don't know what to do. So we're going to do... We're going to get a group together and we're going to, uh, like, talk about it. Somebody up the chain and it just keeps going. It's just all these government agencies and everything talking about it and nothing got done with the reactor. Well, that this was like a take on that, and everybody's like, "It's genius, it's beautiful," but if it's it's two hours of bureaucracy, that's the word I'm looking for of bureaucracy. And by the end, you're like, "Oh my god, just make it stop." And that's the way I felt. That's the way I felt about Shin Godzilla. Wow. All right. Well, you're going to get some angry tweets tomorrow. Eh, you know what I? You know what I do? I turn off the notification. There you go. Again, I'm every day. I think about deleting Twitter. I really do. It's this podcast that keeps Twitter alive. Oh, as long as they don't dig back into any of our old tweets. Well, Todd, that was not a ham-fisted segue, but I'll certainly take it. Uh, we're talking about movies and stuff, which we don't typically do so much. We'd leave the movie, you know, uh, we talk comic stuff, but it's San Diego, and this is what San Diego's kind of become, more so talking about the movies and everything. Um, I- it didn't happen, I guess, at San Diego, but it was a reaction to what's going on in San Diego. Uh, James Gunn, director of the, director and writer of the Guardians of the Galaxy films over at Marvel. Uh, someone who I- I've been a fan of for a very long time. Going all the way back to his days writing films like Tromeo and Juliet and other garbage at Troma, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, doing the Scooby Doo movie. Doing. He did. What? He did the Scooby Doo movie? He certainly did. 
I did not know that. The one with Sarah Michelle Gellar and all those folks, your Freddie Prinze okay. Jr.'s is, is, is. Really? Well, I did not know that. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Now, not the, the sequels. I don't think he did the sequels. He just did the first one. Fair enough. Uh, he wrote the script for the uh, Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead remake. You know, Great movie. Uh, he did the movie Slither, which was a fantastic movie. Uh, he did the movie uh, Super, starring Rain Wilson, uh, which and you know his usual cast of characters. Uh, who else was in it with them? Who was the bad guy in it? Uh, Kevin Bacon. He was the antagonist as opposed to the protagonist, as he typically is. But uh, so he has been kicking around, and he finally got his like legitimate big break doing the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. That was the first movie that everyone said, like, oh, if it's going to be the failure, that'll be the first one. And then I think Guardians of the Galaxy did more to change not only the other superhero movies, but also sci-fi movies, all sorts of things. It was a game changer, if you will. Mm-hmm. That being said, uh, James Gunn is a very political guy. Most of his tweets for the better part of the last two years, uh, have been very political. And when you are very political in a very public way, it's a way to bring a lot of attention to yourself, sometimes positive attention, sometimes negative attention. In this instance, it was negative attention. Um, there was, and I, again, I'm trying to look for the guy's name... Uh, who went back and pulled up some tweets that uh, James Gunn made almost 10 years ago that he had admitted at the time were jokes, apologized at the time for jokes, and then, you know, said like, hey, I don't do stuff like that anymore, I haven't done stuff like that anymore, moving on, but this caused him to lose his job at Disney, at Marvel, from doing Guardians of the Galaxy 3. This has also brought out of the woodwork all of the people that he works with, everyone from past boss Lloyd Kaufman, head of Troma, to all of his co-stars in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and other famous people who are of a political bent with axes to grind to start pointing the finger at other political people who are also working for Disney, who also may or may not be doing or saying or currently doing, not ten years ago, horrible and uh, inflammatory things. I don't like this going on. This is the first time something like this has hit close to home for me. And unfortunately, that's the only time when I really care about things. Sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, being a longtime fan of James Gunn, knowing that he l- came from literally nothing to become the head of, you know, one of the architects of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, essentially. To have something that he took out of context, that he apologized for over ten years ago, cost him his job. Right. It sucks. And again, I don't want to get into political things, he said, she said. Me, personally, I don't think he should have been being as political online in any way, shape, or form. But I do commend him for being in such a high-profile celebrity position and taking such a high-profile stance one way or the other. He took a big chance, and it did not pay off. He lost his job. But he is very lucky to have so many people that are willing to go to bat for him, willing to take up his cause. At the end of the day, is it going to mean anything? Sadly, probably not. 
But I would certainly hope that he is able to find work somewhere again and can again create entertainment the quality that I've personally come to know and love from James Gunn. Right. See, my take on this is a little different. I don't have the affinity for James Gunn that you do. I only know him from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, uh, the Dawn of the Dead movie, which, I, like I said, I really enjoyed. Um, I just think that, and I know it was 10 years ago, but he, he works for Disney. Disney's, I mean, I don't know. I I see both ends of it. That you, Yeah, you, you make a mistake 10 years ago. It comes back to haunt you. People dug it out just because they had a vendetta against them. But then Disney's like, oh, this came out. Did, did they know about it? I, I don't know. Some of the jokes that he was doing, you're like, you're 40 years old. You know, it's not like you like you can go. You were 18 doing some off color humor. I, this is a really a weird gray area to me because, uh-huh. it, I mean, Disney has the right to go like you know like what the stylish stuff we do, and this comes out, and I'm one of those people that if you're gonna dig in anybody's path, like once it starts, it it's too late now. Like whether you you know you you like her or not, Roseanne says something. She's a comedian. She gets taken down, you know. Yeah, that was only last week or whatever. But it's like it, 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 it it's just weird. When politics come into it, I get so tired, and I'm like, he's gone. Like, whatever. Just give it to the guy who did Thor Ragnarok, as you often say, the third best Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And I'm gonna move on because this stuff just, it just, just exhausts me. It really exhausts me. I have no answers. I have no good takes on it. It's just, uh, let's move on. Did, are they going to use James Gunn's script, or are they going to write something new? I I don't know. I, I really am just, like, overwhelmed with this kind of stuff in my my hobby and other things, if that makes any sense at all. It does. The only not- last two things that I'm going to say about this, mm-hmm. okay, is that Disney has and is releasing films starring Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, who over the last two years has been embroiled not only in a very public controversy where his wife was accusing him of beating her, but also he is being sued by a PA on a movie that he was on, not a Disney movie, but being sued by a PA for, while drunk, physically attacking said PA. Right. Disney is okay to promote multiple movies currently with Johnny Depp in them. The next Pirates whatever movie, and then the most recent Pirates movie, had come out while this controversy was going on. Right. James Woods, who is a very inflammatory, publicly attacking both political and private citizens on his social media account, is at the forefront of recording new information for a new Hercules ride at the California Disney uh, parks. Right. That's okay. Okay. Apparently. I'm just saying, it it seems odd that this would be the one that they pick. If you're going to sweep with, if you're going to sweep with a brush, get all of it, not some of it. So now, what's your take? Do we... Do we 
get rid of everybody then? No. Okay, you want to bring James Gunn back? Yes. Okay, I I just want to know, because in the end, like I said, I, and this is going to sound terrible, and I think I might come off as the worst one here, is I just don't care anymore. I don't. Well, like, I didn't care for the very longest time until it affected someone who I'd like their work and have liked their work for the better part of the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, and it's in this line of entertainment, of course. It's in line of entertainment that I am not involved with, even in the slightest. Like, when it comes to people involved in wrestling and they do horrendous things, I could very easily distance myself from, like, well, you know, I've been a Ric Flair fan for a very long time, but, oh boy, another story this week of him being XYZ? I'm like, I could kind of stop saying I'm a Ric Flair fan now, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, cause again, I'm, you know, tangentially involved in, in wrestling and not in the scale that a, a Ric Flair or anyone else like that is, but, you know, obviously I have a little bit more, whatever, if maybe I was in filmmaking, I might have a different idea in regards to this. I, I just think if you're going to take actions like this, um, for stuff that people say on social media, you need to be ready to take action against everyone. Or... Mm-hmm. Accept people at their word if they say that they're sorry and move on. Right. Unless it's, you know, Johnny Depp or whoever else, uh, James Woods. Right. They get more, they get more press pushed at Disney. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's what's going to get rid of them if they get rid of them. It's right. a, the amount of, you know, flack that Disney's taking. I'm actually shocked they got rid of James Gunn before somebody like, how much money is James Woods bringing in compared mm-hmm. to how much money James Gunn is bringing Right. So I don't know. I, I don't understand what's going on. Right. And I, so, I, I only bring it up because it's, you know, it's involved with comic book stuff. It's involved with comic book movies. This is about as political as this show is going to get. Mm-hmm. Until we hit blank covers in comics, Joe. I'm not going to get super political. Well, uh, the one last story just to brush through real quickly is Donny Cates signed an exclusive with Marvel, and he's going to be bringing back the uh, Marvel Knights imprint. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yay, more Donny Cates at Marvel, and uh, Marvel Knights is the thing that launched uh, a lot of careers and a lot of hot takes on a lot of hot characters. We don't talk so much about the time that Punisher was an angel. Good stuff. But we, you know... That then led to the Garth Ennis, Steve Dillon run on uh, Punisher that everyone has been retrying to capture that magic again and again and again and again and again and again with limited results. Hey, you need an angel Punisher to get a Garth Ennis Punisher just the way you needed a new 52 to get a rebirth. There you go. (laughs) How is a raven like a writing desk? Anyway... (laughs) <laughs> uh, a lot of news here, but what's uh, what's your hot take on the blank comics, Todd? I'm wondering if people are going to get them CGC'd sketch, you know, series, and get sketches inside them and then slabbed, and then you'll never get to see the sketches again. That's just the idea of a crazy person. No, it is. I find it interesting. The one problem I have with these books is, one, it's pure genius because it's coming out for the do you know about the 24 hour comic that you have 24 hours to make one comic one no. person did you I say I learned no? about it in conjunction with the story about the blank comics right because it was originally 16 pages and they upped it to 24 the whole thing is to do a comic in 24 hours all on your own so DC is putting these out 
with blank covers with a logo, Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman. Though they will do more if they sell. And they have 24 pages of blank pages so you can do your own comic, which that's the whole thing, to do your 24-hour comic. But weirdly, they come out exactly one day before New York Comic Con, Joe. Uh Uh-huh. So I wonder if that has anything to do with they want people to take them and get sketches. They know sketch fans and art fans will take them. But my other just slight big problem with them is they're two ninety nine, mm-hmm. which kind of blows my mind that they were doing two ninety nine comics with art and story from people they had to pay, and they could put out a like Marvel or DC can put out a comic for a buck with reprinted material. So they had to print those, get the pages printed, and make them up for one dollar. But for two ninety nine. I can give you these blank pages that we stapled together. Todd, are you claiming the, that this is possibly a scam? I'm thinking this might be a cash grab, Joe. Just a slight cash grab. Now, I will say this. The up of the uh, page count from 16 to 24, that just means one less ivory back scratcher for Dan DiDio that month. Mm-hmm. Secondly, this is actually not a new thing. This is something that's been going on uh, for quite a while. Um Scott McCloud, who did, like, the Understanding Comics stuff, mm-hmm. uh, has been in conjunction with folks who are kind of the ones who have been spearheading this, where they have been selling blank comic books with, like, a cardstock cover and, like, kind of like a newsprinty sort of inside that are a buck twenty-five each. Right. And so you tack on, uh, what is it? A the buck Batman 70. cover, that's doubling the price plus. Right, but now you have a Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman logo that you, when you get your favorite artist to draw underneath it, it's like they made your own comic for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look. I just find it funny, the the price jump right. for something like that. Literally, they were putting out two comics a month for two ninety nine with, like I said, full story and art, but now blank pages cost the same thing. I, I just It just blows my mind. Maybe there's an actual story on them with invisible ink. <gasps> You put it over a hot light bulb and it and it comes out. Right. Oh, that would be awesome. That's the that's the gimmick that they're probably doing with these. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea of it. I I had actually thought of getting a bunch of the buck twenty five, buck fifty blank ones because there was mm-hmm. a period of time when my kid was in you know uh, he's on summer break now, but when he was in school, he was making little comic books himself all the time. Right. At school and. I, he's He just takes, like, two pieces of paper and folds them in half, and he gets those pieces of paper free from the school. Now, granted, my tax dollars are paying for them, but you catch my drift. Right. And I don't think he's got the um the writing chops to fill out 24 whole pages just yet. So he, has a tough they... enough, he has a tough enough time filling out eight, let alone 24. But are you going to buy him some of those? No. 24 pages? No. I got a whole bunch of reams of printer paper that if I really want to do it, I could fashion them together myself. I even have a stapler that I could put in there that's an extra long stapler. So I can Ooh. get the staple right in the center there. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of it. It just, yes, I agree with you. The price point on it is a little ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Now, if it was 48 pages, then we're talking. Oh, that would be fantastic. Or a hundred pages, like those uh, comics that they sell at Walmart. I love those comics. I've yet to see them out in the wild. I haven't been to Walmart a ton since they've been out, but the two or three times that I've been there uh, since, I've made the uh, ex- 
expressed purpose to go looking for them and I can't find them anywhere. Um, our local comic shop had some. I think the Mad Basis picked some up. Mm. He's always up to something. Mm-hmm. So our last bit of news, and boy, this is a jam-packed news segment. Uh, it is being announced with uh, this week's issue of Saga, uh, number 54, the wrap-up of the storyline. Hey, we're getting ready for our typical three-month break in between six used to storylines of Saga. Hold the phone. They're actually taking about a year off. Uh, and in the, uh, the the release that uh, Brian K. Vaughn put out, at least a year, Joe. Yeah. At least. So it could be more. Right, so uh, it says in there that uh, they feel that he, Brian K. Vaughn, pronouns pal, and Fiona Staples feel a responsibility to keep making the very best comic that we can, and we both agreed that the only way to eventually finish the epic saga that we set out to tell, which is leading me to believe that it might be ending with, like, issue 60, that last run, uh, that is to tell this with one significant, let's call it, intermission. And they go on to say, uh, craters don't do their best work with under undue pressure and should be allowed to tag out when the stretching pressure pressure gets to be too much. Creators should be allowed to do what is best for them. And if it means the comic story is for the better, that's a bonus. Um, so on and so forth. Looking over the thing. Uh, I'll miss having new issues of Saga in the near future. But, uh, again, as you had mentioned, Todd, it's going to be at least a year. You know what I think this is all code for, Joe? What, Todd? I have a movie project coming up. Eh, it could be. I don't, I don't know when pitch season is for the new TV fall season, but, uh... Something. No. Right. Something. I think... I understand three months, but a year? And I think, like you said, you think you're closing on the home stretch of 60-some issues? Yeah. If that is, then that means... Six more issues and they're done. I don't think he needs a year to do that. Mm-hmm. I think we're at the. I honestly think he's got about a hundred issues in this now. I think we're at the halfway point. Oh, okay. And I do think he's got something. I'm just let's just say, Paper Girls or maybe Saga or maybe something is in the works that he's got to do. He's got to negotiate, and he doesn't have the time to write and do it. And that's what this is. I think he's got a bigger money maker in the, in the iron in the fire and when that's done he'll come back to soccer uh i'll say this it stinks but they've earned it uh brian k vaughn and fiona staples staples have earned whatever time off they need to make that book as good as they want it to be i think they've earned it too because they told us that they were doing six months three months six months three months now it's like oh we're really burned out my my question is to you because I heard this around the shop today while I was wandering around. Do, how bad do you think it's going to affect sales? Not bad at all. Um, they're probably That's, not going to see any dip, and as long as Image promotes it highly when it comes back, then they got nothing to worry about. I think Saga is probably something that sells better in trade, so it's not going to hurt it much. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. So, uh, that's the news. Let's get into conventions this weekend. It's a busy week for conventions, Todd. Uh, there is the Lock City Comic Con in North Haven, Connecticut. There's the Rob Con in Kingsport, Tennessee. Sadly, the Rob is not there. What? Not the Rob? Uh, Michael Golden, Rick Leonardi, those types are going to be there. But these, Todd, these two, Todd, are the big conventions of the weekend. 
Uh, one is in Raleigh, North Carolina, the Raleigh Supercon. You've got your people from the world of comics, Neil Adams, Chris Piccolo, Peter David, Glenn Fabry, making a second comic book convention appearance this summer. Fabry's been making the rounds, man. A third one is officially making the rounds. Uh, Tom Grummet, uh, who we mentioned last week, is doing some interiors on one of the uh, DC Hanna-Barbera books. Larry Hama, Tom King, the great Tom King, J.M. Demades, and Keith are going to be at this one. Ooh, Keith. Mm-hmm. One of the last shows that he'll be doing sketches at. Oh, get your sketches in now if you listen to After Dark last week or two weeks ago or whatever <laughs> it was. Uh, on the celebrity side, you've got William Shatner. You've got Henry Winkler. Ooh. Uh, the real animal, Dave Batista. I'm sure he's got a lot to say after the events of this past week. <laughs> uh, Alice Cooper is going to be there. Ooh, uh, my personal friend. I can show you my photo with him. Speaking of photos, the double photo op bounty is back on as both <laughs> Ralph Macchio and William Zabka, and my apologies, Sensei Lawrence are going to be at this convention. And then oh. on the World Wrestling Entertainment side of things, Todd. Right. Sergeant Slaughter is going to be there. Uh, Mick Foley, Tully Blanchard, Gangrel, Kane, Jerry Lawler, Rey Mysterio Jr., and Hillbilly Jim, just to name a few. I'm glad. I don't want you to name any more. Okay. Well, Todd, over at the London Film and Comic Con in jolly old England... Pip, uh, pip, tut, tut. Uh, comic book type folks, you've got Dan Sott, Sarah Pacelli, Kieran Gillen, John McRae, Fraser Irving, Simon Bisley, Mark Buckingham, and, and many more. On the World Wrestling Entertainment side of things, Todd, Tatanka, Native American superstar, Mark Henry, brother of the aforementioned James Gunn, Billy Gunn is going to be there, I think they're <laughs> related, uh, Jim Ross, Tugboat, aka Shockmaster, uh, na- the Nasty Boys, uh, my personal favorite of this list, Double J, Def Jarrett, and uh, Carly Perez is going to be there, who had been in World Wrestling Entertainment and Lucha Underground, uh, listeners of the show, do yourselves a favor, and uh, for my uh, sadly departed friend Chris uh, Chandler Biggins of a- Absolute Intense Wrestling fame, go ahead and Google yourself, or Bing, or DuckDuckGo, whatever your search engine of preference is. Go look up Carly Perez and do your, you, you do yourself a favor. Do yourself a solid. Now, on the uh, entertainment side of things, Todd, this is maybe one of the most stacked lineups I've ever seen in my entire life. Jason Momoa is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Steven Seagal is going to be there. Steven Seagal. He's... Meatloaf. The food or the, the uh, singer? The person. Peter Weller. <gasps> Robocop. Jack O'Halloran is going to be there. Who's Jack O'Halloran? Uh, Jack O'Halloran! Emma Muzz! Oh my, you mean Zod? No, or Emma Nod? Muzz! That's the only role no, that I know him I know. from. Now, there's a there's a triple photo op that's going on over there, Todd, that may have a caveat on it. Because Catherine Bach, Tom Wopat, and John Schneider of the Dukes of Hazard are going to be there. Right. Now, I didn't know, one, that the Dukes of Hazard was so big... Uh, in the UK. Did you know the General Lee could jump the Atlantic? Oh, it could. Yes. I heard they're going to jump Big Ben. Uh, well, I hope he doesn't get hurt. Now, I, I don't know if you've, you've seen this, Todd. I don't know how in tune to celebrity news you are. 
Uh, but John Schneider's been in the news lately. No. Uh, see, Todd, he was recently uh, sentenced to jail because he's over $150,000 behind on alimony payments to his ex-wife. Uh, oh. However, he was released from jail due to the facility's overcrowding. He, however, at his court hearing, asked if he could be sent back to jail because he does not have the ability to pay this money back. Oh, my goodness. Don't you think he should come up with this scheme to run some shine to make that money back? So, Todd, I, I, I'm thinking John Schneider might not be there. I don't know. He might get a, he, may, he might get some leeway. Right. He uh, asked for the court to let him serve his full sentence. I don't know. How bad are things when you're asking to stay in jail, Todd? I don't know. Them Dukes, them Dukes. Oh, them Duke boys are at it again, Todd. Well, how many? How easy was it to break out of Roscoe's prison? He's fine there. That's true. They were breaking out every other week, so. Now, this is the other thing that's happening at this London Film and Comic Con. Now, me, I'm going to the Raleigh Supercon, Todd. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't read the show notes. I do read the show notes, but this one I didn't. This time, this one time. Okay. Let me know if any of these names ring any bells for you, Tom. Mm-hmm. Todd. Uh, you've got, uh, Eccleston. <gasps> That's the ninth, the ninth doctor's doing an appearance? Capaldi. The twelfth doctor? Matt Smith. The eleventh doctor. Tom Baker. No, no, let's go. The fourth bo- doctor. I'm not done. Okay. David Bradley. He was the guy who played the first doctor for the third time. Colin Baker. The sixth doctor? Yes. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six doctors that are going to be at this convention, Todd. Plus assorted, like, I was a Dalek once, or I was a companion, or some nonsense like this. But I figured the Doctor Whoseses would be the ones that Useses would cares about. Oh my god. Joe, all joking aside, of all those that you said, like the weird one is nine. Is Eccleston. it Chris Eccleston? Is that his name? Christopher Eccleston. There he you doesn't go. do a, he doesn't do appearances much. He kind of walked away from the Doctor Who thing. So that one blows me away. So I'd love to meet him and get a photo. The other guys I can probably get photos, and some of them I have photos with. The Tom Baker one, because mm-hmm. he's like eighty four years old. He doesn't do much anymore. Like you know how you, you have that short short list of Mark photos that we always talk about. Yeah. Like, Tom Baker for me is like, I get a, a marked photo with him. Here's a blank check right in whatever you think is fair. That's like my one, so. One Let's scarf. Go. Oh, one, two scarfs. It's ha, ha, ha. together. So, yeah, all the links to those conventions will be in the show notes, uh, along with information about the soon-to-be-named-network.com at soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com as well, where all the shows in our little network of shows and things and whatnots that we do are all included there. Anytime the shows go live, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes, after, or Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, where we go into a in-depth discussion in regards to the 1986 classic film, uh, to be, this is its submission, to be in the movie hall of fame if such a thing exists. Uh, Three Amigos, as well as shows like Podvocacy, uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Everlasting Minute, and Todd, I have it on good authority that three-fourths of Prodigal Sons podcast is ready to go. 
Hopefully by Friday they'll all be ready to go. Well, if it ain't done by Friday, ain't getting done. Uh, but anytime any of these shows uh, go live, or anytime any of the folks from these shows uh, go on other shows, and they remind me, I will eventually <laughs> put it up on the site. Ooh, good. Sometimes I fall asleep and forget about things. I wish I could, Joe. I wish I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the links to all of this is going to be in the show notes, of course, uh, as will the links to all of the digital sales and freebies that are going on. Uh, the sales, a lot of them are held over from last week since they did those big uh, San Diego Comic-Con related things. They still claim that they're San Diego Comic-Con related, but uh, last time I checked, Todd, San Diego Comic-Con is over. It is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Image is still having their buy one, get one sale. Uh, IDW, Boom, uh, Fantagraphics, Dynamite, Titan are all having sales on random things. Marvel still has their best-selling collections thing uh, going on, which is much better than saying Essentials. Or whatever that terminology they used a couple weeks ago, where it was like the top t- top 100 whatever whatevers, right? And then, uh, in conjunction with the upcoming Teen Titans Go to the Movies coming out this weekend, DC is having a Teen Titans sale. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there, including those all-ages Teen Titans books. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there. The entire Jeff Johns run is included in that. Uh, the Tiny Titans run by Baltazar and Franco that kind of inspired the Teen Titans Go cartoon that you see today and then assorted mini series and one shots of your favorite teen titan characters your your cyborgs your starfires your ravens your people like that and todd a rare dc sale that does not include what two books batman year one and batman dark knight <laughs> dark knight returns yes sir mm-hmm. dark knight Re- but doesn't have the dark knight returns returns the sequel. no well that was called dk2 I will always, in my heart, call it Dark Knight Returns Returns. The Dark Knight Returns Returns. Right. Uh, So, again, all the links to all that will be over in the show notes. Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. Hmm. I'll take over here now because, you know, you're very tired from reading all that stuff. I'm going to start with the book we were both looking forward to most, which was Batman 51, which is the fallout of the uh, non-Bat-Cat wedding. And in this, uh, it's written by Tom King, drawn by Lee Weeks. Uh, Bruce Wayne gets jury duty on a case for Captain Cole that they, you know, he's guilty until, you know, innocent until proven guilty over this murder. And uh, Bruce Wayne gets on, he gets sequestered, and while we're seeing the trial, we're getting flashbacks to Batman taking down uh, Mr. Freeze, and he may have been a little rough on him, and we're starting to see that he may be cracking um, from the, the wedding. And while this is going on, he's sequestered for a long time, we're seeing how things are being taken care of in Gotham by a Batman. And um, it's very interesting. I, I really like this take on the story because we're seeing him having some trouble dealing with what's going on. Um, I think he feels that he may have wronged Mr. Freeze. So that's why he kind of coerced himself onto this jury. And uh, like I said, the thing with the Batman that's taking over, there's some jokes that I mean, not jokes so much as there's moments where 
what Jim Gordon thinks of a different guy in the bat costume. Um, once again, it's, it's, you know, Tom King's Batman. It's, it's never going to be bad as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yes. So this was not the direction that I was expecting things to take after the fallout of the bat slash cat non-wedding. Uh, I think it's a really, you bring up a really good point that Bruce is coercing himself. And of course there's the little spoiler at the end, which I don't think is very much of a spoiler. Uh, if you kind of know Bruce and Batman's feelings on this, but yes, there's that scene with him in the bathroom mm-hmm. where Batman rips a urinal off the wall with his bare hands, right. which I think kind of shows what he's going through mentally and physically. Right. And they do kind of come right out and say that it is Dick Grayson posing as Batman in Gotham City while Bruce is in there, right? Right, but Jim doesn't know it's Dick Grayson. I right. Just, well, he knows it's just, not he knows it's not the real Batman. Right. He's I there's where he shows up and he's like, "Oh, you're the other one. Where's the real one?" Mhm. And the I just like one. that because at this point Jim know like Jim instantly knows when it's not Bruce in the costume. Right. And you I know? thought that was a cool bit of business. Right. So that's what I like. But yeah, because he even says there's a moment where he's fighting uh, as Batman. He's It's Dick fighting somebody and he's like trying to call Bruce, but he's sequestered and he's like, call me back. So he says, yeah, it's Dick. And I'm like, OK, I get it. But I just like the fact of like we always talked about the Brubaker run on Gotham Central. And it's like how things are seen from the cop side with the bats and stuff like that. So I just really enjoy it like seeing bits and pieces of that. And also the court case of how law is handled in Gotham and the questions that you ask. And like, is Batman, you know, a forensic scientist who's hired by the, I, I, there's just a lot of cool stuff that isn't too, it doesn't take me out of the story, but it kind of, it's kind of interesting to see the way it's viewed in, it would be viewed in real life. If that makes sense. It's something that works either in its own separate book like Gotham Central did, mm-hmm. but it's not something that they can do all the time in the Batman book, because then it completely just blows the premise of Batman existing out of the water. Right. You can only do it in small, small doses in the, in, in the Batman book. Right. And also, Lee Weeks' art on this was amazing. Beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful art. I couldn't get over how nice this book looked. I didn't get to look and see if he worked Elmer Fudd into any of the panels. <laughs> I'm supp- you know what? Uh, maybe not this issue, but maybe the next issue. Mm-hmm. Mr. Fudd. <laughs> it would move me to tears if I still had tears to shed. <laughs> I still love seeing all those pictures that Tom King tweets out whenever people bring him the copy of the Batman Elmer Fudd book to sign. And mm-hmm. then he just draws a poorly accrued Batman on the Batman silhouette. Mm-hmm. Oh, so and, far. And I like now that he's having his bodyguard sign stuff. Yes. Oh, <laughs> we didn't even get into that. Let's not talk about that. I'm just saying, I just find it amusing that you could get your signature series CGC Batman with Tom King's body, bodyguard signature. Yes. Uh, so the other book that we're going to discuss is uh, The Immortal Hulk, number three, written by Al Ewing. With five different artists on it. Uh, our main artist, of course, Joe Bennett. But the reason that there's multiple artists on this is, uh, the reporter who is on the trail of the Hulk is interviewing several eyewitnesses or people who may or may not have been directly involved with an incident 
possibly involving the Hulk, at a church on Mercer Avenue. I'm not sure how much more I can say outside of that. Mm -hmm. Every issue of this book is a continuous story so far, but every issue can be read on its own. This, to me, felt like one of those... And again, it's not like Dan Slott was the first one to do it, or Bendis was the first one to do it, where someone in our current modern-day viewer of comic book writers or artists will take some heretofore either seldom-seen or little-seen character that already exists in the Marvel Universe. Nothing's been done with them for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and then all of a sudden drags them back up for a story like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Essentially, there is a young boy who has gamma irradiation, and the Hulk, who is on the trail of all people that have gamma irradiation, confronts this young man, and depending on who you ask, things may have went a couple different ways. Right. I love this book. I cannot get enough of this book. I'm the same way. I really like this uh, this issue. the The one thing that I I did not like is uh, the bartender's art in the story. Okay. I like all the other stuff. I like the you know that they show when the priest is is talking, the cops talking. There's different art styles. The old woman. I, I, I'm fine with it, but I feel like when they did the I'm I'm watching like a cheap cartoon network adult swim cartoon I don't know how to explain it I just I was like wow this is this is shoddy when the other art in this is so well done and the uh like I said the the bartender scenes just took me right out of it for a second otherwise I love the issue I get your feeling in regards to that, and I understand where you're coming from, but um, I think it was supposed to be done that way to show the seediness and dirtiness of the bartender. Right, but to me, you don't show dirtiness and seediness with goofy art. I guess. I think it could have been done with a... You know, I'm not saying you can get some of these guys, like, you know, but, like, I'm just going to use my personal thing, like a Dennis Cohen with, like, Sienkiewicz inking him. You're like, they're seedy and weird and, you know what I mean, where it's just like this to me, he looks like a bucktooth goof. And you're supposed to say, like, seedy, too bright, if that makes any sense. But the other thing, like, everything else and the story of the mystery of what's going on with the gamma irradiated villain and their backstory, which I don't think we're even close. Like the other ones seem to have wrapped up in one and two and we're like, okay, we have our, we have our stories. Um, but this one seems like the first one that we need more information right away. And I don't know if we're going to get it in the next issue or it's going to come to play later. But, uh, like I said, I, I really like this story. Right, three issues of Immortal Hulk and all three issues have been, you know, on the list for us to talk about. It's really that good. If you're not checking it out for whatever reason, uh, it's probably one of the best books Marvel's putting out right now. With a, with an okay Alex Ross cover on it, Joe. <laughs> How awesome is that Alex Ross cover? Right. Uh, and it actually portrays something that happens in the book, which is rare in comics. Yes. Rare in Alex Ross covers. 
True. Usually it's a one shot of someone standing in quarter profile, po- possibly looking up and to the left. What? You mean every JSA cover? He did? Oh. Uh, but this time, yeah, it, it looks very different for an Alex Ross cover, so I give it uh, kudos for that. What is great with that and Alex Ross is he said he learned when he did the shadow covers. If you want to see some great covers from Alex Ross, when he was doing the shadow run and doing the cover, he was like, you know what? He's like, I was doing a lot of like static poses and stuff. And he goes, now I didn't steal Jack Kirby's style. He goes, but I went and I, I studied Jack style, uh, Jack Kirby's layouts and you could really see how he added it to his art style. And it's stuff like this that shows me that even Alex Ross can grow as an artist. I just grow physically as a human. I do, but not up. I do I do it sideways. Exactly. Oh, boy. All right, so that's what we read from this past week. Uh, let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, whether you wait for the trades, whether you wait for the hardcovers, Omnibuy, however it is you wait for your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out. Todd and I do two things with our cumulative lists. One, we attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I think I am in the lead with three correct guesses over Todd. We also are keeping a running tally of how many dollars spent on comics in the calendar year 2018. Uh, over a half of year into 2018, I can assure you, we will not be doing this again next year. Good, good. At, at least not publicly. I still have my uh, tallies going all the way back to 2011, but those are my private records. Mm-hmm. I want I want a retcon pill so I don't remember what I spent anymore. <laughs> so, uh, Todd, you started off the show, so you get the uh, first crack at the gas. Can I ask a question before we do this? Yes. What is Boney Parish? It is a new crime horror book from Boom by Colin Bunn. Hmm. Is it Boney Parish number one? It is not Boney Parish number one, Todd. Is it Saga? It is Saga number 54. Mm. Looking at your list, Todd. I'm going to guess the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Action Comics number 1001. Yes, it is Action Comics 1001. Uh, Boney Parish, uh, again, on a week not against Action Comics, would have been the book I'm most looking forward to. Uh, Action Comics was getting a, would have gotten a rare nod, tip of the cap, over Saga. But when the announcement came out that this is going to be the last issue of Saga that we're going to be getting for at least a year, I had to give it its one last hurrah on the list. Right. Had to give it the old salute. Right. It's, you know, it's you're giving them their honorarium of the, as, as they're taking their, their break, their leave of absence, what have you. So that just continues to further my lead over Todd and all these correct guesses. Will this be the first time in the history of us doing this that I actually beat you? Yep, I threw this year, so you could have one. Oh, purposely? Yeah, that's what we'll say that. You can admit that now? I can. There's still time. I may come back. Uh, highly unlikely. Probably unlikely. All right, so 
while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done uh, together in the world of comics, uh, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, past full posts, or the 2017 smash sensation Todd and Joe Have Issues. All of that exists over there, as does our store, where you could purchase shirts and stickers and pins with our fancy logo on them. Uh, purchase them to your buying content. Also, you could purchase things through our Amazon click-through, which does not include our shirts, our stickers, or our pens. If there's a way that I could figure out how to put them on there, I would, but I don't know how. My internet savati is very limited. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week, which gives us a little bit of a kickback and just makes Todd happy at the end of the day. Uh, someone purchased episode one of season three of the television show Lost. You ever seen mm-hmm. Lost? No, I did. I have never seen Lost. Neither have I. Uh, someone also purchased some slow niacin 500 milligram tablets. Uh, someone also purchased... Merrick grain-free senior real chicken and sweet potato recipe dog food. Ooh. And someone also purchased John Carpenter's The Thing on Blu-ray. That's a good movie. That's a fantastic movie. Very bleak. Oh, another movie bleak and with layers and open to interpretation that you could watch over and over again. I'm surprised you've seen that movie and enjoyed it for how gruesome it is. I'm a Carpenter fan. I am. Mm-hmm. I am for for somebody who doesn't like horror movies. I love his his uh, uh, vampires. I love. I'm trying to think of some of the other stuff he's done. Like off the top of my head, I you know it's getting late here. Um, but yeah, I like uh, John Carpenter. So, so Todd, do we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we do. We had, uh, from Euronymous, he had a Lapham Stray Bullets uh, piece, which is a page, which was issue two, page five. And, uh, Euronymous apparently really likes the, the art where people get beat up. Um, so I like that kind of art too. Um, it's a very nice page. I gotta read Stray Bullets someday. Have you ever read it? I have not. Uh, Euronymous is always, uh, suggesting it to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got a giant pile of books that I already own that I still need to get around to reading. I don't need to add any more to the pile. One day. You just need to find a week where you don't get all your books from the comic shop, and then you're good to go to get caught up. Right. Or maybe I just need to take a vacation. <gasps> a vacation? Yes. So before we get into TV talk and discuss uh, one of the final episodes here of Cloak and Dagger, next week's episode is going to be a day late. Uh, instead of being in your feeds uh, Wednesday, and we are already into Wednesday as we're recording this, uh, we're going to be recording <laughs> Wednesday into Thursday, uh, because this Friday I am leaving on vacation. Uh, we are going to the beach. Uh, my wife and son and I are going away for five days and uh it's very rare that we get to take an extended vacation like this, and I try to avoid it interfering with the show, but unfortunately, super secret science job does take precedence over what days they allow me to have off. Uh, this this show I could technically take every day off for the rest of my life if I wanted to. True, true. <laughs> uh, but I won't, and this uh, this episode just it just means that we're gonna be a day late with this episode. I'm sure you all understand. I don't. I'm sad. But I'll be fine. 
you'll somehow figure it out. You'll get an extra day of sleep or something. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, spring forward, fall back kind of a thing. Right, but the last time that it, we went on an extended vacation like this over the course of uh, more than one day, and we went to the beach, on the first day that we were there, I got a horrific sunburn. So I had to stay out of the sun the whole time, so I just sat in a beach chair under an umbrella, and I must have read like 20 comics in a day. Oh, it was fantastic. Did you, did you get suntan lotion all over? No, I did not. Oh, that's good. I was turning the pages with a uh, heated up end of tweezers. Oh, good, good. That's the best way to do it. Did you have the comic that when you poured soda on it, you poured it onto the lesser comics? <laughs> no, but that's, I think that's what DC needs to put in with those blank comics. That would be fantastic. Yes. Uh, so we're going to get into some Cloak and Dagger talk here momentarily. So if you didn't see this most recent episode of Cloak and Dagger, we bid you adieu, or you're not following Cloak and Dagger, what have you. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, for being with us, episode 408. We'll see you next week. And let's get into Cloak and Dagger. Mm-hmm. So we are nearing the end. Uh, we are very close to both Tandy and Tyrone solving both of their problems. Uh, as we are on the eight-year anniversary of the death of their respective loved ones, Tandy's father and Tyrone's brother, and this is the time that they are both taking the opportunity to make the advances. Tyrone on the police officer who shot his brother. And uh, Tandy on the uh, guy who runs uh, the Roxxon Corporation. Right. Uh, Detective O'Reilly is the uh, the cop. And what's the, uh, the muckety-muck guy at the uh, Scarborough, Mr. Scarborough? Mm-hmm. So while we do see a little bit of uh, unity between Tandy and Tyrone, we do get to see Tyrone finally don the cloak. Uh, the cloak that will give him his namesake of Cloak. Uh, I was hoping that this would be the episode where we would get to see uh, Tandy fashion her spandex outfit with a knife cut out of the front uh, <laughs> for her chest and midriff area. I would certainly hope that her costume in the TV show will be a little bit more tasteful than that of the dagger costume of the comic books but we shall see that's probably going to be a season two thing mm-hmm. no it's going to be the last scene of season the last scene of the last episode of season one It'd be like here's my dagger costume but I, I like this episode because like you said it's the eighth year anniversary of the passing of their loved ones and i like how they each do it differently even though tandy and her mother have been fighting that they've established that on the anniversary they do something special, they release balloons, they blah, blah, blah. And I, and Tyrone's family just buries it deep. And they've like established in the past that the poison that you have will kill you that's inside you. And this is this is one of those things. They don't talk about it. They don't, you know, they just get rid of it and, and, and stuff like that. So I, I like all that and I like how they're going off to do their separate, uh, finish their stories. And, you know, it's very touching that Tandy would come over to Tyrone on the anniversary to see, you know, how he's doing. And I forget that Tandy's a dirtbag. And there's the moment where she's like, oh, it's nice. But she was there to steal Tyrone's mother's ID for Roxanne. And I was like, all right, you keep getting me with this because I know she's 
she's dagger, she's the hero, but every time I fall for it, you know, she does something a little bit skeevy. Not as skeevy as she was at the beginning, but she's a, a little bit skeevy. And they both do solve their problems, um, but in the end, it's not going to work out. Uh, t- uh, Tandy gets the goods on Scarborough. She has the memo and everything, and Tyrone gets the goods on the cop that, that, that shot his brother, but we see that it's probably not going to stick because he has too many friends in the, you know, the, the police department. And he ends up through a plan putting on the cloak and pretending to be his brother by wearing clothes that he wore that look that, that day. He pretends to, to be the ghost of his brother to, to get the cop to confess. And to me, that was one of the coolest scenes because I like the, the look of the cloak. The only thing that's weird is because he's wearing gray sweats underneath. The cloak doesn't look right, but that's the whole plan. He's supposed to look like the brother. So I think once he starts wearing darker clothes under the cloak and he flaps the, the cloak to get the powers to work and everything, it looks, it looks, it'll look much cooler when, you know, he's not, in the gray bloody sweats. And I really like the, the look on it, but the real sad part is that we find out through Tandy that when they do the releasing of the balloon for his, for her father, that we find out that her father wasn't everything that he, as good as he claimed to be, he was abusive to the mother. And through that, she decides to give up her quest against Scarborough and take a bribe that, that he's been offering her. Right. And I'm like, I really off. like this. Yeah. Taking the payoff. And I'm, and I'm kind of like, uh, this is a real interest. I knew the, the cop thing probably wasn't going to work out, but I didn't see the abusive father thing coming, which I, I, not that I like abusive fathers, but I like the take when somebody, when there's, there's grays. Like every time you see a, a racist or a bad person or like a murderer, it's like you have to see them that they're all 100% evil. But like wife abusers and, and and racists, like they have moments where they're really nice people and they're hard to find because of that. So you don't have this, you know, mustache twirling villain that her father was. So it's not easy to see. And I like sometimes when they get you with stuff like that. But right. I, and then I course, liked it. Right. So I thought that was a nice twist on the Tandy side of things. And of course, we get on the Tyrone side of things, not so much directly to Tyrone, but the the cop that O'Reilly that was helping him. I said O'Reilly was the one they got. Connors was the one that they took down, the guy with the scar on his face. But mm-hmm. O'Reilly looked like she was getting her life in order with her fellow cop, not Mac from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, and he she goes home to be with him, and then she finds him stuffed in his own refrigerator. Boy, boyfriends in refrigerators? Mm-hmm. I hope that starts a trend. I hope it gets a whole website. Uh, so, obviously, her involvement with this got close to whoever Connors was working with, whoever his higher-up people are, and this is how they're striking back against O'Reilly, but now Cloak and Dagger probably must team up to take on the bigger threat and both wear their superhero costumes and do superhero things together. Do you think the Roxanne story with Scarborough and the the Connors are going to come together somehow or they're both going to be separate? I think they're all it's all going to be intertwined. I do too. And the one big thing that surprised me that has nothing to do with the overall story, Joe, 
was when Cloak or Tyrone reveals to O'Reilly that he has powers in her boyfriend, that the boyfriend says, I can't believe this, you know, people with powers. And O'Reilly says, let me tell you, remind me to tell you about my friend Misty from New York sometime. Right, that's uh, what, Misty, Misty Knight from the Luke Cage show. Right, and all the, like, now she's in the Iron Fist and the Defenders and everything. So are they saying Cloak and Dagger is in the Netflix universe? Well, apparently after the Netflix contract or whatever is done, that all the Marvel TV shows are moving to somewhere else. And if this is the beginning to tying them all together with whatever the new stuff they're going to be doing on Freeform is, uh, like they did the Runaway show on Hulu, this here on Freeform... Where are all your Jessica Joneses and Defenders type people, Daredevil, going to show up? It's all, hopefully, all the street level people need to be get, be together, Todd. I agree. I think it's kind of cool that it's a, like one big universe, which touches on the cinematic universe. It's like, they really do have a cohesive, like, thing going. Where, like, we were discussed earlier, the, the streaming with DC and everything. It's, it's haphazard what, you know, you have, you have uh, people doubling up, you have a flash on TV, you have a flash in the movie. Where at least, you know, they didn't own all their properties, but Marvel has all their ducks in a row, how they all fit together. Even if they're at separate places, like separate, you know, Netflix freeform, like you said. I, it's, it, it feels more comic booky that way, like a shared universe. Mm-hmm. So, I like that. So I guess, is there anything else we need to discuss for show or Cloak and Dagger or anything else? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, Todd, again, for you, this is me, Joe, closing out episode 408 of Longbox Heroes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. But a day late. Boop! Boop!